vision. We're going to talk about vision tonight. And for the next few, few Wednesdays, if you did not get last week's message, I want to encourage you to download it off the Internet, lwfchurch.com. You can go on there. It's the power of vision. Say power of vision. Vision is so important. I know when I needed, uh, when I realized that I needed some glasses, that, that I, I, people, I, I, they'd wave at me and I couldn't even see them. And then they, they probably thought I was stuck up and everything else, right? You know, it's like, yeah, he sees me. Don't even say hello to me. You know, I, I guess I couldn't see him because my glasses, but, um, but, but until I had my glasses. But now I got my glasses, I can see a little bit better. So um, I, I'm gonna, I want to challenge you tonight. And last week's was very, uh, I want to say, very, uh, very challenging also. But we're going to talk a little bit about vision tonight. What is your vision what is it that you've always wanted to do? Think about that a moment. What's your vision? What is it that you always want to do? What is your heart's desire? Because the Bible tells us that he wants to give us the desire of our hearts. Now, our desire in our heart has to line up with the word of God. I had somebody t- one time tell me, well, you know, I should be able to do this, that, and the other because God wants to give me the desire of my heart. But those things that they were desiring didn't line up with the Word of God. So God's not going to give you something like that. Come on, somebody. Uh, so what's your vision? What is it that you desire? What's your dream? Hebrews chapter 11, 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. So could I say this? Could I say that, that faith, Marty, can you go ahead and bring up the next one? Could I say that faith is seeing things that you hope to accomplish? Okay? Seeing things that you hope to accomplish that even other people cannot see. Remember, we talked about Walt Disney and how he sat and, and, at the park bench and he looked and the, the guy that was, 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 was cleaning up, was working on the yard said, hello, Mr. Disney. And Mr. Disney said, hello, never even looked at him. And he was like, what are you looking at? And he was looking at his mountain. It was Space Mountain that he was looking at. At that time, he had only had one ride. Nobody understood it. He began to talk to the engineers about what he saw. So could I say that faith is a substance of things hoped for? Could faith be things that we hope to accomplish that nobody else can see? There are things within us. God has placed a vision within us, something within us that you can see that somebody else can't see. Are you with me? So we're going to talk about the power of vision. With vision, you can bring something new. With vision, you can bring something creative. With vision, you can bring something into existence, something that is exciting. Vision is the key to fulfilling your life's purpose. Did you know that? Some people will say, what's, a, you know, what's, what's God all about? What's my, what's my life all about? It's the vision. God has placed in each and every one of us a vision, a unique envision, a vision designed for each and every one of us. So I want to tell you, you got my little video ready. I want to show, you know about the video, right? Okay. I'm sorry about that. There is a video. I'm sorry. We forgot to inform you. It's a hamster video. How many of you gone through life and you feel like you're just going through the motion? 
Sometimes it's just the same stuff, different day, same old thing. Here we go again, okay? I, I began to start thinking about what, what it kind of looked like. What was it like? We're ready whenever you can get that little video going if you, you can get it started. I began to think about what it was that reminded me of how sometimes my life felt. And I went on and I found this hamster video. And I thought, that's it. You know, most of the time hamsters live in a little box, right? You know, they get their little water out of a little, you know, silver tube, a little water bottle kind of thing. You kind of give them food every now and then and clean out their cage or their little box with sawdust or whatever it is you might have. But what do hamsters do? Look how hard this guy is working. One video had a, had a hamster that was running up to a, I think it was 50-some kilometers. I don't know how fast that is or whatever, but it was probably 20 miles an hour. Can anybody see his legs? Because, I mean, that dude is moving. Okay, now I'm going to ask you to picture yourself in that little wheel. Have you ever felt like you were in that wheel? Have you ever felt, anybody ever, anybody going to be honest here tonight? You felt like you were in that wheel. You felt like this is just something that you keep going on and on and over and over and over. See, our world is filled with people that, that are busy, but ultimately they're going nowhere. That hamster ran, I don't know how long, but he didn't go anywhere. And our own lives are that way. We're doing much. We're expending energy. We're expending time, but we're not accomplishing anything, or we're not accomplishing anything much of value. Now, that hamster probably is in good shape. That hamster accomplished his body metabolism rate to now begin to accelerate, and it also accomplished that he was going to be pretty soon hungry. Okay? So it accomplished something, but it didn't accomplish much of value. We spend our lives working, but never making headway. We just go through life. So let me give you some statistics on, on, um, on American employees. Can I do that for you? There's some statistics on American employees. Nearly 50% of all U.S. workers feel overwhelmed by a growing number of job tasks and working long hours. 88% of employees say they have a hard time juggling work and life. Only 40% of workers aged 35 to 44 are satisfied with their jobs, down from nearly 61% in 1995. Older workers aged 55 to 64 also express low levels of satisfaction. Only 48% say that they're satisfied. In all income areas, satisfaction levels have fallen since 1950 or 1995. Would you agree with me 
that the United States employees, they're struggling with life issues of satisfaction? Where do you spend most of your time? Other than sleeping, where do you spend most of your time? You spend it at work. And we can look at these statistics. I mean, it's disheartening to work and work and to work hard and to receive little or no satisfaction or little or no fulfillment from your work. We've been there. We've done that. So let me ask you about your own life. What are you oh, using your precious energy on? If you can look at your own life tonight, could you look and see what am I expending all my energy on? What are you accomplishing Do you get up every day with a sense of anticipation and meaning because you have a purpose or a plan? Do you wake up in the morning and your eyes open up and you're ready to hit the floor because you've got vision? Are you putting your life off? Are you just getting through the work day? Are you putting your life into a job that maybe you you feel like is just a band-aid maybe or something that you're just doing because you got to put food on the table have you secretly thought that maybe that you were meant to do something more important you secretly thought that maybe you to do something more significant in your life see in society that there seems to be just a lack of fulfillment there seems to be a lackluster Um, idea or value of saying, I'm just not getting fulfilled. And a lot of times we want a microwave quick fix. So my question to you tonight is, do you know why you exist? We've always, we, I think every single one of us have said, you know, why am I here? Why, Why do I exist? Is our goal retirement? Is that our goal? Can I be honest with you tonight? Do we find a job? Do we get married? Do we buy a house, raise children, change jobs, change careers, retire, and then die? Is that what life is all about? What about you? Do you have a vision? Do you have a plan? Do you have a sense of a personal vision? Do you know that you have a personal vision on the inside of you? that maybe yourself is longing to bring forth. What about us tonight? We're going to look at ourselves. Do you know why you were born? If I was asked to ask anybody in here that do they know why they were born and are they doing exactly what they were born for, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I don't know as if anybody could raise their hand. Myself, personally, I, I am doing exactly what I was born for. Did I know I was going to be doing this 12 years ago, 15 years ago? No. No, I didn't. But now that I'm in it, I know that's exactly what God has for us to do. So does your purpose give you passion? Uh, you heard me say, what makes you bang the table? What makes you, what, what, what gets you going? Life is intended to have meaning. And we see a lot of people going through life with no meaning. You know what? You weren't born just for the fun of it. We all have things that we should be striving for. 
I worked with a company for quite some time, and I watched people retire. And I thought, is that it? Do we spend 30 years working for a company and receive a pension and a gold watch? And I thought, what do these people, what do, these people do after they retire? And some of them are lost. In fact, some of them die. There's no purpose. There's no vision. So I'm asking some questions tonight. Life doesn't have to be aimless. It doesn't have to be a repetitive exercise because we're not simply designed just to get on the hamster wheel and go 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 nowhere. We have to have a plan. We have to have a purpose. You were meant to go somewhere. We should be heading towards a destination. And that destination isn't just heaven. Because if that destination was just heaven, when you gave your life to Christ, you might as well go on to your destination. But there is a plan and a purpose and a vision on the inside of each and every one of us that only you can fulfill. Sheldon, there is only you can fulfill the destiny, the plan, and the purpose that God has put inside of you that is for you, and you're the only one that can fulfill it. Augustine cannot fulfill his plan, his purpose, and destination. You know why? Because Augustine has a plan and a purpose and a vision on the inside of him that only he can fulfill. Can I get an amen tonight? And I'm not saying this to bring any kind of condemnation. I bind up any kind of condemnation that might come tonight. But I want to cast vision in your life. I want you to understand how powerful this vehicle is of vision. I heard the quote that the poorest per- person in the world is a, purpose, is a person without a dream. Is a person without a vision. Is a person without desire. Is a person without a passion. Would you agree that most of the people in the United States are struggling with a passion, a purpose, and a desire? They have trouble with satisfaction issues. Yes, the statistics showed it. I put them up there. Maybe you've never known what you wanted to do in your life. Or maybe you had a dream once and you lost sight of that dream. Maybe it was through a difficult situation or a difficult circumstance or just life dealt you a a different hand. Or maybe you made some decisions that may have altered some things that maybe you thought your plan and your purpose was. Maybe it was just the busyness of day-to-day life. Maybe it was raising kids and, and taking care of, you know, the job and doing those different things that maybe got us off track of our purpose. No matter how much money you have, if you don't have a clear vision, then you're poor. No matter how much money you got in your bank account. If you don't have a clear vision, then you're poor. It's been said, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. If you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. You don't have to worry about what road you take, but if you don't know where you're going, any road's going to get you there. And you know, the sad thing about it is when you arrive, you won't even know that you've arrived because you don't have a vision. Say vision. 
Most people don't have a vision beyond their present circumstances. Most people can't even see tomorrow or the next day or the day after or the week after or five years from now. But yes, if you can see beyond your current circumstances, if you can have hope for the future, you can have true riches no matter how much money you got in your bank account. Because the Bible encourages us with these words, Jeremiah 29, 11. I think I may have, have you, Jeremiah 29, 11. And many of you know it. The plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but to give you what? Hope and a, everybody. Hope and a future. Does that sound like vision to you? Absolutely. It sounds like vision to me. So it doesn't matter what you're current, what you currently don't have. Because if you can see what you could have, then you'll have a vision and what you don't have will change to what you could have. Because that's the faith and the hope of substance to bring it forth in the natural realm. Vision is the key to life. Say that with me. Vision is the key to life. Because where your dream is, there is hope. Where there is hope, listen, where there is hope, there is faith. And where there is faith, there is substance for fulfillment of what you're hoping for. Hebrews 11.1. 1. There's substance or fulfillment of what you're hoping for. Faith is a substance of things not yet seen. Are you with me? It's those things that we hope for that haven't manifested yet. It's those things that we can see that others can't see. It's something within us that's there that others haven't been able to see. Having a vision or a dream is inherent in every human being. Every human being. There's a vision and there's a dream. What's your dream? What's your vision? What is it? Could we write it down? Could you show it to me? You know, I, I mean, I'm with you. Maybe it's a little cloudy. What do you imagine yourself doing? What do you see yourself doing? Five years from now, ten years from now. What do you want to accomplish? What are you really doing in life? Are we just going through the paces? Maybe you had ideas of what you wanted to do. Maybe you had ideas of what you wanted to be. And when you had those ideas, some of you may, you may say, well, you know, I got ideas of becoming a lawyer and having my own firm. I've got ideas of fashion and opening up a fashion boutique. Well, some of you may think, well, I had ideas of having a daycare and, and putting together the best curriculum possible and having a hundred children in the daycare. Do you imagine yourself owning your own personal business and, and it be prosperous to give money to the church to advance the kingdom of God in the earth? Is that your vision? Do you have a dream about maybe going back to school and, and continue with your education or your academic abilities and, and use those to help people. But by the end of the week, many of us, many of us are tired and we're exhausted 
and we just really haven't done anything to get us closer to our vision or what we had a dream of because we're just tired and we want to rest. People have all kinds of ideas in their mind, but they rarely act on them. I often heard it say that a a difference between a good idea and a God idea is that you get out of the shower and you do something about it. Anybody had a good idea in the shower? And we never, how many of us get out and act upon it? See if you understand this pattern. Five years goes by, and then it's ten, and we still haven't done anything. Twenty years goes by, and we haven't been able to build, or we haven't been able to create, or we haven't been able to accomplish what we had a vision to accomplish. If the poorest person in the world is a person without a dream, a person without a vision, then maybe the most frustrated person in the world is a person that has a vision or a dream and doesn't know how to fulfill it. What category could we fall into? Where could we be? Think about being frustrated and and, and having a vision or having a dream and, and not even being able to fulfill it. Maybe unfulfilled expectations is the word that I'm looking for. It's frustrating to have an idea for years and yet it hasn't come to pass. Maybe by now you may have many unfulfilled dreams in your life. Depending on your ages, 18 years old, haven't done a lot, haven't really had a whole lot to dream, you can still start from where you're at. 40 years old, I've been one of those that five years, 10 years has gone by, 20 years has gone by. I'm here to tell you that God says that vision, that plan, that purpose that he's placed on the inside of you is still there. So it's not how young you are and it's not how old you are. Maybe you've gotten to the point where you just said, you know what, I got frustrated, Pastor. Perhaps you started to pursue your vision. Maybe you're one that says, I'm going to pursue my vision. And you began to pursue your vision. And you had passion. And you had zeal. But then maybe you abandoned it for whatever reason. Maybe there just wasn't enough time. Maybe you had demands on your job. Maybe there were things working against you. Maybe there were people working against you. Maybe your family said, it'll never work. <laughs> you got to be nuts. That's not going to ever happen. What do you think you are, Donald Trump? People try to squash vision. Maybe you just got discouraged. Maybe it became so difficult that as you pursued the vision, as you, you just got frustrated, and you came to the point where you just said, Forget it. I think I'll go be normal. I'll have a normal life. I'll get a regular job and I'll settle down and I'll just be normal. 
I'll just live normal. I'll have normal friends. I'll have a normal house. I'll have a normal paycheck. I'll be buried in a normal grave. Maybe that's you, but it's not what God says. Because God says, you're not normal. Turn your neighbor and say, you're not normal. (laughs) Now you might turn your neighbor and say, I know you're not normal. (laughs) You're not normal. You're born to be distinct. You are born to be distinct. Let's look at some scriptures. Let's go to Titus chapter 2. I want to look at verse 14. Titus chapter 2, it's in the New Testament. It's after Timothy. Titus chapter 2, I want to look at verse 14. He who gave himself for us that he might redeem us for all iniquity and purify unto himself a what? A peculiar people, zealous for what? Good works. A peculiar people, zealous, having a zeal, having a passion. Now, a lot of times people will say, you're weird. And you go to Living Word Fellowship Church, you may have a few people tell you that you're weird, and that's a weird church. What they really mean is that you are a peculiar person. All right? Say, I'm a peculiar person. Say, I go to a peculiar church. Okay, now, y- y'all are thinking, well, this may not be a good thing. Well, let's, let's take a look at it. Turn with me to First Peter. Just keep going. Hebrews, James, Peter, First Peter 2. Look at verse 9. It says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. A holy nation. Oh, come on, somebody. I wish we could get this tonight. You are a chosen generation. Say, I'm a chosen generation. You are a chosen generation. You know why? Because there's power in vision. The power and the vision. You are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. And I think the King James Version says, a peculiar people. Turn to somebody and say, I'm peculiar. Turn to somebody else and say, I am peculiar. You're a peculiar person. You're a chosen generation, a holy priesthood. Are you with me? You are a peculiar person. If you know God, you got a relationship with Christ, you understand some of the things of God, because it's hard to understand all the things of God, because when you think you've got him figured out, he expands. And he's a whole lot bigger than we could ever wrap our mind around and really, truly comprehend. So let's take a look at this definition of a a peculiar person or peculiar people. That's That's a Greek word. That word, peculiar people, it literally means being beyond usual. And I was thinking, being beyond usual, Lord? Being beyond usual. And, and he showed me beyond is better than before. Are you with me? Somebody is so intelligent, they're beyond my learning. All I'm telling you, it's not less than my learning. It's not equal to my learning. It is 
you are beyond usual. You are not usual. If we look at the Greek on this word, it says you are not a normal person. You are beyond usual. You're a peculiar person. Now, let's look at a couple others, other Bibles. I looked at the New American Standard, and, and can you put that up? And it says, a people for his own possession. Oh, are you hearing this? It's not weird. If it's weird, then they're saying God is weird. They don't know the definition because in the Western mindset, we might think peculiar is weird. But in the Greek mindset, this was written in, it says that you are a people of his possession. In other words, you are a, a royal priesthood. A chosen generation, a holy nation, a people of his own possession. Oh, come on, somebody. Say, I'm a peculiar person. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you're sitting next to me, and I am a peculiar person. Now, you can say, you know, is that good? Is that bad? You are a peculiar person. And they, and they probably are going, yeah, that's absolutely right. You are, you are definitely a peculiar person. The, amp- <laughs> the Amplified, no, you are not weird. You are what God says you are. You are a holy nation, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You belong to him, and you are of his possession. You are what God says you are. Come on, somebody. So the Amplified Version says this, to be peculiarly his own. Peculiar person means, literally means, you belong to God. And when you belong to God, you are beyond usual. Hey, it's in the Word. You can study it out for yourself. But there it is. You are beyond usual. Or the rest of that definition was special, one's own, one's own. Who's the ones that, I, that, I'm, that, that owns me? God. And because I am a peculiar person, then I am a chosen generation. A chosen generation. You're called, you're chosen. Are you with me? A royal priesthood, a holy nation. You were designed by God not to blend in, but to stand out. Oh, oh, you didn't hear me. I said you are designed by God not to blend in, but to stand out. And I'll give you an example. Stand out how? How can I stand out in the middle of, of all these people that are in the world? You can stand out like a flower. Every single flower is different. There are a thousand varieties of flower. And the daffodils and the lilies and the roses, they all stand out. Do you get it? Say, I got it. How about trees in the forest? You may come up onto a forest and you may look at that forest from a distance and it may look like it's all together. But when you get to that forest, you begin to look and there's different trees and the different trees look different and they're beautiful and some of them are different. They got different leaves and they're different heights and different sizes and, and, and they, they're, they're all different, but yet they're still beautiful. That's the way you are. There are six billion people on this planet and nobody has the same fingerprint. 
Nobody has the same fingerprint. Think about how special you are. That's the same way with the vision that's inside you. Can you have similar visions? Absolutely. But there's something, there's a plan, there's a purpose, there's a vision on the inside of you that God has placed from you even before the foundation of the earth. And when he puts you into this earth, he gave you a fingerprint that is only your fingerprint. How about your eyeball? You know, your eyeball, there is 6 billion people on the face of this earth and there's 12 billion different eyeballs and none of them are the same. That's why they're going to eyeball retina scan, because it's just like a fingerprint. Hello? Yeah. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm, I am a peculiar person. Now, some people, may, they may consider you something other than that. And whatever they consider you, they are wrong. You are not just ordinary, you are extraordinary. Say extraordinary. Or I think that word is the root word of extraordinary. I met a pastor one time, and he said, I was talking to him about their church, and he said, we're just ordinary people doing extraordinary things. And I thought, there ain't nothing ordinary about me. Hello? I am an extraordinary person. Are you with me? Turn to your neighbor and say, you're extraordinary. Tell your neighbor they are extraordinary. And if you feel any different than that, then you may need to look in the mirror and you need to may say, you know what? You are an original thing, you. Ain't nobody like you in the United States of America, in the whole world. There is nobody like you. Somebody may have similar characteristics. Somebody may have similar hair color, but there is nobody identically like you because you are an original. You are one of a kind. Come on, somebody. You are one of a kind. You are unique. You are original. You are irreplaceable. I was thinking about having you come in and putting a little sticker on you. And all of them being different. You're original. You're irreplaceable. You're one of a kind. There's nobody else like you on the face of the earth. That's the way God made it. You are rare. You are distinct. You are incredible. All these adjectives describe you. Turn to your neighbor and say, I think he's talking about me tonight. Come on, tell him. I think he's talking about me tonight. Talking about you tonight. Now, in economics, in economics, the value of something is determined by how rare it is. You can have pearls that are rare. You can have diamonds that are rare and very valuable. Are you with me? How about a Rembrandt painting is very... Oh, this... This is not the original one. It's only a thousand. But this is the original. And it is worth $1.7 million. You are an original. You aren't a copy. You aren't a knockoff. You are original. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm an original. Well, just let's, let's just say it together. I'm an original. Say it again. I'm an original. One more time. I am an original. You are an original. The Bible says silver and gold is not better than you. Hello? Gold is precious. Silver is precious. There are, there are, there are, oh gosh, you got 
I got two minutes. Check this out. You can go into a store and you can see a shirt and there, there's a whole rack of them. And they're all the same shirt. They might be different sizes, but they're all the same shirt. The collars are the same. The sleeves are the same. The buttons are the same. The pattern's the same. Everything is the same. Are you with me? Or you can go to a specialty shop and you can get designer clothing. Is designer clothing more valuable than what you may get at a different store? Hello? Why? Because it's made unique. It's made unique. You can have designer clothing. I could go spend five to ten thousand dollars and have a suit tailor made to fit my body. I would be looking so slick, my wife would attack me when I got out the car. Hello, somebody. Woohoo! Are you with me? What you have to understand is you are made by the designer himself. I don't know about you, but that gives me goosebumps. Designer clothing is rare and expensive, and you supersede that. You are made by the designer himself. Did you know that? The designer made you. He made you, Tom. He made you, Scott. He made you, Norman. He made you. 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 He doesn't make junk. He is the greatest of all, better than anything could ever be. And he made you that way. You are valuable. You are an original. There is nobody like you on the face of the planet, girl. You are, you are an original. You're not some kind of knockoff or cheap thing. You are made and paid by the price of the blood of Jesus Christ. And God created you. He formed you. He made you into his image and to his likeness. And everybody is valuable. Say, I'm valuable. And there is a vision on the inside of you. Oh, can you hear me tonight? There's a vision on the inside of you. I'm almost there. Many people spend their life wandering away from God. And they totally miss out or don't recognize who they are. You are the most valuable thing that God has made. You are. We all are. Absolutely. We are the most valuable thing. Are you ready to change how you feel about yourself and get a hold of the power of the vision and say that vision inside me has got to come out? Are you ready to have a vision for your life? Are you tired of going through the same thing over and over? Are you saying, God, what is it? What is it about? Let's get this vision that's in here and begin to get it out and bring it under the corporate umbrella because that's how the vision is going to be fulfilled. There is a vision on the inside of you. There is purpose on the inside of you. There is destiny on the inside of you. There are some things on the inside of you that the designer himself, the creator himself, put in there and he wants to bring it out and only you're the one that'll let it out. Somebody needs to holler vision. 
Somebody needs to holler power of vision. See why we haven't gotten anywhere. Why we haven't gone to where we need to go. Why we aren't getting where we're going to go is because we don't have the vision. And he says, without a vision, my people perish. Real quick, let's look at what vision will give you. It's been said that there are three kinds of people in the world. Do you want to know what they are? There are those that never seem to be aware of things around them. That's one. The first is those people that never seem to be aware of what's around them. The second one is those that say, what just happened? What just happened? And there are those, the third one, there are those that make things happen. They make things happen. There's a lot of people going through life and just going through it. And there's a lot of them going, something just happened. I don't know what it was, but something what was, that? What was that just happened. And there are others that are making it happen. It's up to you. That vision inside of you, to kneel, is not going to make my vision come out. Come on, somebody. There are some things that she might do with her vision of arts and entertainment. There are some things that she might be able to do that will stir up some things within me and then her vision and my vision, and then it will begin to come forth. Are you with me? And then, and then Kristen will come in with the vision that she's got, you know, her creative side and all this other stuff that I don't have, and it may stir up. I may have a little creative side in me. You know why? Because I was made by the designer, the creator himself. So it may stir up that creative side side within me and bring that vision forth. But I can't go. I can't go where God wants me to go corporately with the church without Tennille. I can't do it without Kristen. Are you with me? Because she's got the vision inside her and she's got the vision inside her and he's got the vision inside her and you got the vision inside you and you got a vision inside of you to be able to help and, and, and take care of people and make a, a vision that impacts eternity. What are we doing to impact eternity? What are we doing to make a difference that when we go, ain't anybody going to ever know we were there? Is that ever going to ever matter that we were there? Or are we impacting eternity? God has a vision inside of you that will just be a more than a vision than to get gas for tomorrow. It will be a vision that will impact eternity. Anybody want to impact eternity in here tonight? Okay, my time's up. Somebody say power of vision. Say this, in the name of Jesus. Say, Father God, I come to you tonight, and I understand that I am one of a kind. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am irreplaceable. I am an original. There's no one else like me on the earth. And you made me that way. I am rare. I am distinct. I am incredible. I am calling forth this vision inside of me to come forth in the name of Jesus. I say I will operate in the power of vision. I will be led by vision. I will not look at what I see. I will look at what I know. I will have faith for hope. And bring it into the natural realm. I see more than just tomorrow. Stir this vision up within me. Bring this vision to pass in my life. In Jesus' name. Come on, give him some praise in the house tonight. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, 
we are not going to go through through 2010 and without changing what our vision is going to be and how we're going to be able to walk in the things of God. There are some of you that have said, you know, I don't know as if I have the vision to be able to live this godly life. 